What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. It's a Monday episode, which means we have another Monday mailbag for you, as well as a full preview of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Episode 9 coming at you right now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. We were recording this on Sunday afternoon, just kind of kicking it, watching some baseball. And then tomorrow, we have the first day of the NBA playoffs. P, how you feeling? I'm feeling wonderful. I'm, I'm jacked up for some NBA playoff basketball. Proud of us for getting to this point. NBA, back up and running. And not only does it start tomorrow, it starts at 1.30 p.m., which is great. Uh, for those of us who like to be distracted at work and be bad at our jobs, it's a huge week for us. We've got games starting at 1 or 1.30 every day this week. So how are you feeling about that, dude? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be kind of crazy. I personally can't really watch the 1.30 games because i got to treat some patients. But I am really excited that the latest games, like the West Coast games with the Lakers and Clippers, are starting at 9 instead of 10.30, which is huge. I'm still going to have a terrible sleep schedule and be getting like five hours of sleep every night, but I'm going to be up watching them. I can't wait. Yeah, lo- love some day basketball, especially get some action in on the uh, 1.30 games, lose some money by 4 o'clock. Love it. Gotta love it. But before we get uh, too far into NBA basketball, hitting you with it early today, surprise trivia. Oh, already? Yep, already. Man, I'm not prepared for this. Okay. Feeling spicy today. Okay, so in honor of the playoffs starting tomorrow, who has played the most playoff games in NBA history? Like a player? Which player has played in the most playoff games in NBA history? And I will fill this, or I guess give you a little bit of a hint and say that the level of difficulty here is kind of hard. It's not going to be the first or second guy you think of, but... That's surprising. So the first guy that I thought of, which is not going to be my guess, it would be LeBron James, just because he made it to the finals eight years in a row. And we're living in an era right now where every series is seven games as opposed to in the past where guys played a lot of five game series so he didn't have as many opportunities right so so to give you a little bit of help lebron is number three on the list at 239 okay oh man how about robert ory good guess i like the thought process there it's a former teammate of robert ory kind of along those lines Derek fisher Derek fisher nice okay 259 playoff games wow that's a lot yeah, if you divide that by 82 games, he's played 3.16 seasons worth of playoffs. That's crazy. I remember I was watching during quarantine when there were no sports on whatsoever, and I was just like, I needed sports. I went back and watched some of the, um, I guess it was 2012 NBA Finals with the Heat versus the Thunder, and I always forget that Derek Fisher was the point guard for that Thunder team back yeah. in 2012. He, I was thinking of him Lakers, but yep. Yep, he was 39 then. I mean, he played 20 years in the league, um, made to the playoffs in 16 of them. Won that's five a, finals, so he was insane. just always playing in the playoffs. Do like you think he? Uh, do you think he stole the record from Matt Barnes? <laughs> <laughs> Only real NBA fans will get that, yes. Jay. But anyway, Tim Duncan, number two at two hundred fifty-one. I saw that this is the first year in twenty-two years that the Spurs missed the playoffs, so that makes sense. And then LeBron uh, at two thirty-nine, chance to break the record this year. That's a great question. I love that. 
Perfect. All right. Well, let's move on now to our Monday mailbag. It's our Monday Monday tradition. I'm going to read the first question, which is from Jordan in Atlanta, and he wants to know what is the worst bet that you've ever made. You going to kick it off? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess this was inspired by our new segment, Stinkers of the Week, with uh, Bookie Bets. But um, in a long list of terrible bets that I have made over the years, one kind of stuck out in my mind. And it's not something that I bet on a ton, but, you know, a UFC pay-per-view, I'll throw some money out there. In 2015, it was UFC 193. I bet on Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Um, and up to this point, if anyone follows UFC and remembers this, Ronda Rousey was just utterly dominant so far in her career. She was 12-0 and 0, uh, with 11 wins in the first round, eight of them in under a minute. And I think most of them, you probably know better than I do, but like all of them by armbar, right? Oh, she won the first seven all in the first round by armbar, and it was like pretty brutal ones. Like she snapped a couple of bones in there. Yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, the fight would start. She would punch the girl in the face a few times, take them down, and then break her arm. Yes. It's like... <laughs> Consistently. A good person to bet on, you would think. Yeah, it was wild. So the odds were just terrible. I think she was minus 1,500. So I laid down an unreasonable amount of money just to win 20 bucks, but I didn't care what I was risking because it was free money. <laughs> so anyway, the fight starts, and it gets to the end of the first round, and Holly Holm won the round. I mean, I think Ronda Rousey had kind of struggled with her length and her size a little bit, maybe hadn't fought anyone quite as big and as long as her yet. Um, so it was... I guess the announcers were kind of talking about the first round that she had ever lost in her UFC career. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, whatever. All I need to do is it's a title fight. It goes five rounds. Just come back strong in the second. So 59 seconds into the second round, Holly Holm kicks Ronda Rousey's head halfway to the moon. Yes. I can still hear the audible thud of foot on face and my money going down the drain. So I think that that's probably my worst bet of all time because she got knocked out cold when I just needed her to win as a heavy favorite and uh, lost a decent amount of cash there. Yeah, that's tough. I remember that the quote was that Hall, or sorry, Ronda Rousey was unable to bite into an apple for six months after that fight. <laughs> no like, way. Yeah, it was bad. Ooh. Like she got her, her jaw crushed and then she was never the same. She fought one more time, got killed, and retired. It was over after that. Yeah, she ended up doing um, a bunch of other things. I think she went to Hollywood, had some acting appearances, uh, started with WWE. So she kind of took a different route. It, it was a kick in the face that changed her life. Yeah, and I mean, hope she's doing well, but yeah, that was not a good night for her. Yeah, mine actually, if this is for people, people who know me have heard me talk about this because I talk about it all the time. My worst bet is actually a bet that I didn't make, and I'm so salty about it still. So... Back in October of 2015, there was a college football game going on between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. The dogs were starting Grayson Lambert at quarterback. And the only reason that he was starting is because he couldn't win the job at UVA, so he transferred to UGA. Meanwhile, Alabama was sitting over there with Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley, Ruben Foster, Minka Fitzpatrick, Eddie Jackson, Cam Robinson, O.J. Howard, Jonathan Allen, amongst other people. Never heard of any of them. Yeah, exactly. And somehow, UGA was favored by, I think, three points. I think it was dogs yeah, minus, minus three. three. And, and so, the game starts. Didn't bet on that somehow. Wish I would have bet my entire life on it. But at one point in time, Bama was up 38-3. to three. It was a complete bloodbath. I remember one time, I mean, Grayson Lambert was so terrible in the first half that we brought in our backup quarterback slash punter Bryce Ramsey in and uh, I remember turning to my friend like I vividly remember this being like oh this is a pick six waiting to happen first pass he throws 
Eddie Jackson picks it off, runs it back to the house 50 yards. Final score was 38 to 10, and uh, Bama went on to win the national championship. So, yeah, um, that'll happen. That yeah. one stings. Unfortunately, it wasn't the first or the last time, but we're going to beat them soon. Yes, the we regression will. has to happen. It has to. Um, were you at that game? I was not at that game. I was watching it at a friend's house in, in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Cause we had gone up to Athens for the game. I remember we went to, uh, we were downtown at, I think Magnolia's just kind of watching the early games and it was pouring down rain it that day. So it kind of just had this ominous feeling. We had been at mags all day. We didn't go anywhere else. Um, and then we ended up buying uh, cheap enough tickets. Me and Chubbs went to the game. Uh, we walked into the stadium, had our shoes lined with airplane shots, ready to go for a long battle against Bama. Thought it was going to be good game, four quarters, grind it out. And we looked at each other with probably five minutes left in the first quarter and said, this is a nightmare. Just left. Yeah, let's get out <laughs> like, of here. Let's get out of here. ASAP. Yeah. Yep. Bad, bad time. Tragic. All right. And this next question is from Taylor Schindler via Instagram. Taylor wants to know which retired athletes could still play today. Lando, what you think here? Well, the first one that came to mind is a guy who's making a comeback right now. Because have you seen the Mike Tyson videos of him training? Yeah. That is the most terrifying 54-year-old that has ever existed. He looks so fast and so powerful. It is it gives me nightmares. He looks photoshopped. It's with, crazy. With like his, how old is he? 54? 54. With, yeah, with his face with that gray beard mm-hmm. on top of his body in its current form. He looks photoshopped. I mean, he's moving so fast. I cannot believe it. So anyways, that doesn't, that's not one of my answers, but that's the first thing I thought of when he, when I saw the question, just because of what he's done, what, what he's up to recently. Um, the other guy that just kind of comes to mind because he is in, in ridiculously good shape for his age is Herschel Walker. Like that's just kind of an obvious one. I think along with like LeBron and Bo Jackson, I think those might be the three biggest winners in history of the genetic lottery. Like just complete freaks. Herschel Walker, even at like in his fifties was fighting in MMA and looked like a statue. I mean, in, in terms of football, I don't think you could put him out there running back, but I would throw him out there covering some kicks a little bit. He's still a beast. Yeah, or you play fullback, maybe kind of some fullback tight end hybrid. Yeah, for sure. And then another one that I thought about, just because he keeps himself in really good shape and because of what he does, was Ray Allen. I think you could stick Ray Allen in a corner of an NBA game and have him shoot threes till he's 60, and he'd be really good. Yeah, yeah, and he could play a little D. Yeah, there you go. So, okay. Those are my two guys. Fair enough. I've got two as well, both uh, football players. The one is Calvin Johnson. Megatron. He retired in 2015 when he was 30 years old. Um, guys tend to retire a little early when they play their entire career with the Detroit Lions, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, but that's, that's becoming a trend. Right. There had been some speculation over the last few years about him coming back, particularly, I think, one or two years ago with the New England Patriots who had a need at wide receiver. But yeah, he's 35 years old. His last year in the league, which I said was 2015, he had 88 catches for 1,200 yards and nine tutties. I mean, the guy was still at the top of his game when he retired, and I wouldn't be surprised if he could come back and play today. Um, And then the second one, I'm going with Brett Favre. Wow, that (laughs) is bold. The gunslinger, man. Brett Favre is 50 years old. He turns 51 in October. But if Tom Brady can play till he's like 75, then why can't Brett Favre play at 51? I mean, Brett Favre in the jeans commercials still looks like he has a cannon. So that's part of my point. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So point number one is that in order to come back and play, first you have to unretire. And that's something that Brett Favre is really, really good at. He's practiced that several times before. Yeah. From 2007 to 2010, I think he retired and unretired like 
like 15 times in the whole thing with the Packers and Jets and Vikings. So he's really good at unretiring. And then I think he keeps himself in good shape, like running around in the hayfields and his Wranglers, like throwing <laughs> out routes to random dudes. I mean, he looks sharp. Hey, maybe it could happen. And, and doesn't he coach high school football? Like he's keeping his mind sharp too. I think he does somewhere in Mississippi, yeah. close to where he grew up. And yeah. he went to Southern Miss, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. And then last note on Brett Favre, just as I was kind of looking into him, did you know his middle name is Lorenzo? No, that's awesome. It's electric. Kind of caught me off guard. I love that. I love that too. All right, let's move on to our last question. And this is from Sam. He wants to know, who do we think are the five greatest rappers of all time? I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to do it kind of countdown style. So number five, I just want to preface this by saying this is very like personal to me. I did not necessarily go like objective and just go five best rappers. These are like kind of my, my guys. There's a lot of like personal touch in here. Number five, I'm going with Lil Wayne. There was a period of time in my life, like specifically 2005 to like 2012 ish. That's about all I listened to, you know, like like Carter two, Carter three, and then all the mixtapes like Drought, No Ceilings, all those. Like I listened to all those. I listened to so much Little Wayne. There was, <laughs> I, it was crazy. I knew every word, every song he'd ever put out at that point in time. How did that period of your life align with the time in your life when you only played Halo in the basement for like twelve uh, hours a day? It was after. It was after. So <laughs> I, was, I mean, Halo and Lil Wayne. I went Halo. I went Halo in like high school, and then it was more like towards college was Lil Wayne. But those were back to back eras of my life. Okay. Yeah, both both gladly behind me, but both great at the time. Okay. Yep. So that's number five, Lil Wayne. Number four, um, I'm going to go with Andre 3000 from Outcast, And that's partially because he's awesome and partially because I'm a huge Outcast fan. But then I also just really felt the need to throw an ATL guy in here. I mean, that's where we're from. You got to have at least one. And that's my guy. Number three, RIP, I'm going with Tupac. I think that California Love will always be one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, he's just a legend. Love Tupac. Number two, I'm going with Jay-Z. He's been killing it for for decades at this point in time. He's been putting out bangers for a long time. He's got so many classics, especially like that kind of 90s, 2000s Jay-Z with like 99 Problems, H to the Izzo, Dirt Off Your Shoulder, all those. Love that era, Jay-Z. He's another guy who's pretty good at unretiring. He is, Maybe he should bring Brett Favre on a track, just call it unretirement. That'd be sick. That actually reminds me of something I wanted to say, which was one of the more underrated things that's happened is that Jay-Z Linkin Park mashup album. Yeah. That was so dope. Yep. I wish that more people would do that. We need like crossover genre mashup albums more often. That was one of the coolest things that's ever happened. And then uh, number one, I'm going to go with the top selling hip hop artist of all time. That's my guy Eminem. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really listened to much of like the new stuff that Eminem's put out for a while now. But throwback 90s, 2000s Eminem, that was my guy. It's a little bit too angry for my current liking, but you know, <laughs> teen, teenage angst me, I was a huge Eminem fan. Yeah, you're not the only one. I think everyone was pretty into the old school Eminem when he had a lot to get on his chest, off of his chest back in the day. Oh, I mean, there's a reason he's a top selling hip hop artist of all time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, dope. Okay. I like your list. I like how you did it kind of in uh, countdown order. Mine, I didn't put in any particular order. Um, so I'm just going to read them off. But I went with Nick Cannon, um, <laughs> Chingy. Why? What? Do you, what? Continue. Sorry. Uh, go That's ahead. Disrespectful. I'm sorry. Okay. So in in spite of his recent comments uh, that were a little bit controversial, I went with Nick Cannon, uh, Chingy, 
um, B Rad from Malibu's Most Wanted, <laughs> Lil Dicky, and Fifty Tyson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Fifty oh, Tyson, yeah. rapper out of Minnesota. I think now he's about twenty-two years old. But if you Google Fifty Tyson, he's got some fantastic kind of under the radar freestyles. Um, his hit single "I Ain't Gonna Lie" is incredible. <laughs> what, dude? Stop. <laughs> Sorry, just don't mind me. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, so those are my top five of all time. Um, thank you for the question, Sam. By the way, we appreciate um, non-sports related questions as well. So feel free to send those in. We're happy to tackle them. I'm kind of ashamed at how many B-Rad G from the Boo lyrics that I has, still have in my head to this day. That's, yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah, we might be... Me and my group of friends, and then, yeah, obviously, including you, might be the world's largest consumers, I guess, watchers of that movie. I don't think that that was very popular. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible movie. Yeah, it's horrible. But, but, okay. All right. Anyways, that was great. <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I loved that. I'm going to have to go listen to all those guys. I'm probably going to be watching 50 Tyson videos later tonight. I'm 50 Tyson. <laughs> That's all it was, just over and over. Pretty okay. much. All right. Well, let's get a little more serious now. We're going to take a switch over now to the NBA playoffs, which start on Monday. Day. Like you said, we got games going on every day from like 1.30 p.m. all the way up starting till starting at 9 p.m. Um, we're going to go kind of like matchup by matchup starting with the Western Conference. But before we get into the teams that made the playoffs, I quickly wanted to talk about a few teams that didn't specifically in the Western Conference. Like, have you looked at it? How nasty is the Western Conference going to be next year? Um, what do you mean? Basically, most of all, with the Warriors back with uh, Clay and Steph coming back from injury and yeah. the number one pick. I mean, you've got the one through eight seeds who made the playoffs this year, which is already loaded. I mean, having the Blazers as an eight seed kind of tells you all you need to know with how deep that already is. Then you've got the Warriors coming back with, you know, Steph and Clay coming back, still have Draymond and Andrew Wiggins, and they're going to get one of the top picks in the draft. Then you've got the Bubble Suns going eight and no, who didn't make the playoffs this year, kind of stepping up. The Grizzlies with John Morant and Jaron Jackson should take a step forward with how young they are. The Pelicans with Zion and Brandon Ingram becoming a star. Like they have 12 legitimately like really good teams next year. That's going to be a sick race. Yeah, it is. I expect the Golden State Warriors to come back with a vengeance. The Splash Brothers will be back uh, in full go. Um, but yeah, I wonder when the last time um, two teams met in the NBA Finals that didn't make the playoffs in the previous season. Because next year, with those guys back, and then in the Eastern Conference, look at the Nets with mm-hmm. KD and Kyrie. It wouldn't surprise me if they got there. Yeah, I can't imagine that's ever happened. I mean, there was a kind of a crazy stat. I didn't write this down, so let's see if I get it right. But I think the Lakers this year are the first team in NBA history to miss the playoffs five consecutive years and then be the one seed. Yeah, well, that's the LeBron James and Anthony Davis effect. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, even though LeBron was on the team last year, but yeah. Um, Okay, so moving on to teams that made the playoffs, and speaking of the Lakers, let's start off with that one versus eight matchup in the West, which is Lakers versus Blazers. This is going to be pretty interesting. What are you thinking about this series? It is very interesting with the Blazers coming in real hot, especially this last game. I mean, Damian Lillard had just been on an absolute tear, scoring 51, 61 points in these games. Um, then this past game, Dame didn't have his best game, shot 6 for 15 from the field, still had 31. But you had CJ McCollum step up and be the kind of end of game assassin for them. Um, so they've kind of proven that it's not just Dame. They've got a deep team with uh, CJ and uh, Yusuf Nurkic had 22 and 21 in that game as well. 
So they're going to put up a fight, and we have a bet on it going over under six games. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This is kind of a maybe top three most interesting series to watch for me in the opening round. Yeah, this is the one we were hoping for. I mean, with a couple games left, we weren't really sure what this 8-9 deal was going to look like in the West, but I think we kind of all wanted it to be the Blazers against the Lakers. I mean, it's just, it's going to be tough, a tough matchup for the Lakers. They lost, like we've mentioned before, Avery Bradley opted out, Rajon Rondo got hurt. And so they're missing their two best defenders at the guard positions. Meanwhile, you're playing the team with maybe the best backcourt due in the NBA with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Um, You mentioned Nurkic, who's been awesome. He had 15 and 17 in the first half in the playing game. And then Gary Trent Jr., has been one of the hottest shooters in all of the NBA. In eight games in the since the restart, he went 34 for 67 from three, which yep. is over 50%. I mean, that's shooting the lights out. Over four threes a game, like that's a high volume and a really good percentage. That's a good team. The Lakers have not looked good. I mean, they're really trying to figure out their rotation. They've got all kinds of moving parts right now. It's, it's kind of a mess in, in L.A. It is, and the Blazers are hot, and the odds makers in Vegas are giving them some respect. Have you looked at the odds for the series? I have not. So the Lakers are minus 450 uh, for non-betting people. That means you have to risk $450 to win 100. Um, so Lakers minus 450. If you look at the one versus eight matchup in the other conference going to the east, uh, the Bucks are not minus 450. They're minus 20,000. Oh my gosh. You have to risk $20,000 to win 100 on the Bucks beating the Magic. So that big of a discrepancy is just pretty crazy. And like I said, it, it's the odds makers showing the Blazers some respect to give the Lakers some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I get it too. I mean, I don't think the Lakers are going to have a very easy time stopping that backcourt. Plus, the Lakers offense especially has just looked terrible since the restart. So out of the 22 teams that made it to the bubble, they were 19th or worse in points per game, field goal percentage and three point percentage not good wow yeah so so to wrap this up um i know we have the bet on over under six games but if you had to predict how long it goes and who wins what do you think i'm going with the lakers even though i think they're going to be tested i just trust in lebron i mean a lot of times when you think a series is going to be close i kind of tend to lean towards the team with the best player and i still think lebron's the best guy on the floor so i'm going lakers but i'm going lakers in seven Okay, and I think they have the two best guys on the floor, right? I mean, AD's a top five player in the league, too. Uh, No disrespect to Dame. He's top 10. But I'm just, I'm at a point where as hot as the Blazers are and as much as I like their backcourt, taking a step back and realizing that they finished the regular season 35 and 39. Mm -hmm. They're not this like juggernaut. No one's calling them that, but they're not this huge threat in my mind. I'm going to take the Lakers in five. Okay, my counterpoint to that would be they they were kind of hurt, you know, uh, Zach Collins, who's a good player, didn't play a lot of the time. Gary Trent Jr. just kind of found his footing recently. Nurkic is really kind of getting his game going. So I wouldn't say they're the same team they were before, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. So it's funny that we we went exactly how we already betted. So I have the over, you have the under. We'll see how it goes. Right. And it'll end up being a push in six games. Yeah, but yeah probably. Anyway, so moving on to the next series in the West, the 4-5 matchup, uh, winner of which will go on to play the Lakers. <laughs> the Thunder and Rockets. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I was a big Rockets guy like a week ago coming into the playoffs. I think I talked about how I think they could make a run and even win it if they get hot from three. But I'm kind of having some second thoughts, mainly just because of a lack of continuity. I mean, in general, this whole continuity issue with injuries and people missing time and leaving the bubble and stuff, that's kind of a theme across the NBA. But it's especially a theme for the Rockets. You know, first of all, they're missing Russell Westbrook with a quad strain. I thought it was interesting that they didn't have their entire starting five for any of the eight seeding games in the bubble. So they haven't played a, a single NBA game with their entire starting five since March, which is not a good look. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough, tough little battle for them. What do you think? 
I agree. This is the most evenly priced series in Vegas. The Rockets are minus 150 and the Thunder are plus 130. So it's more or less a toss up. Um, I'm a little bummed that Russell Westbrook is out. I had mentioned this as kind of my favorite series that I was hoping would happen just because of the whole Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul getting traded for each other. I think they hate their former franchises. There's a lot of spite and a lot of animosity between the two of them. Um, So I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. But um, it's just like you said about the Rockets. I'm not sold on them just because it's the old Mike D'Antoni style from the yeah. Suns back in the day. Like they're incredible during the regular season. They can score 140 points against anybody, but they just don't play defense. And I just don't know that their style translates to playoff basketball. Um, but the style is something to watch here. The Rockets are number one in the league, making 15.6 three pointers a game. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 27th in the league in threes. So just very different philosophies, different styles. Uh, be interested to see how they match up against each other. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the style and how you don't like it. I think this is interesting because we've never seen this extreme version of it. We've never seen this like ultra small ball with nobody above six, seven on the floor and all five guys being able to shoot threes. I mean, I'm still really intrigued just to watch how that plays out in a playoff series. One thing that I do think is interesting to watch is with how small the Rockets are. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA. Meanwhile, the Thunder have Steven Adams, who for a long time has been one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. So that could cause a lot of problems for them. I'm still going with the Rockets just because I want to see James Harden go to work on everybody. And I think they could get hot from three and still do it. I'm going with the Rockets in seven. Okay. I'm going seven games as well, but I'm going with the upset. Give me the Thunder. Put it on the board? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Okay. I got Rockets. You got Thunder. Put it on the board. Yep. Let's let's do it. All right, cool. All right. The next series is one that I am so jacked up about. The two versus seven in the West is the Clippers versus the Mavs. What do you think about this series? So this is a super fun one, and I'm glad that they put it on primetime. It starts tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Really looking forward to watching this one. It's Luka Doncic, future MVP's first playoff series. Um, And it's also kind of the first playoff series for this new era of the Clippers. Um, I don't know if the LA Clippers have really ever had a team like this where they were going into the playoffs truly feeling that they could win a title. Um, With Kawhi and PG there, uh, they could bring it home, be the kings of LA. Montrezl Harrell is expected to return from his quarantine, so they'll be at full strength with Montrez Harrell and uh, his fellow six man of the year candidate Magic City Lou coming off the bench. Um, so I think this is going to be a really fun one. I don't really honestly expect the Mavs to compete all that much, but it's just kind of a, a star studded matchup. What are you thinking? Yeah, this is another team that's kind of struggling with the whole continuity thing. They're getting Magic, Magic City Lou and Montrez Harrell back. Um, they got a they got a lot to work on as far as um, kind of figuring that rotation, but they're just really really good. I'm very interested to see what it looks like with Luca being defended by either Kawhi or Paul George the whole game. I mean, he's awesome and we both love him and he's a great player, but he might kind of get swarmed by those two guys. Yeah, you, you put the claw Kawhi Leonard on him. He, he might shut him down, but it would be awesome to see Luca go out and score 30 against Kawhi. He could do it. I mean, the kid's incredible. He could. I mean, one thing that I think is a wild stat is that the Mavs this year, efficiency-wise, have the best offense in NBA history. They had 116 points per 100 possessions this year, and they averaged 125 points per game in the bubble, which is insane. So having that incredible offensive team against the Clippers who are loaded with defensive talent in in the claw and in Paul George and Patrick Beverly, like that's going to be kind of a cool thing. I'm really intrigued by what range of scores like the series is going to end up in. 
Yeah, me too. And I just, for the Mavs to truly compete, they're going to need scoring from more than Luka and Chris Stapps. I mean, they're going to need guys like Tim Hardaway to step up and hit threes, hit shots from the outside, kind of strike like they did in 2011 where they just shot the lights out. Um, So we'll see if they're able to do that. But if I have to make a prediction, ultimately, I, I think they take a game, but I'm taking the Clippers in five. You were mentioning some of the math role players. I don't know if you saw this the other day. In our last episode, we were talking about um, kids under 32 inches being allowed inside the bubble, and Boban was saying J.J. Barea could, uh, <laughs> could get in the bubble. Oh, that's mean. That's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually... You said Clippers in five? Yeah. Okay, that's what I had to. I got Clippers in five. I think individually, these games are going to be really fun to watch and probably really competitive, but as a whole, I just can't see the, the Mavs putting the Clippers to too much of a test. Right. Like, Luka and Chris Stapps are going to have to play 48 minutes a game to keep up with them because the second units are just a big mismatch. Yes. The Clippers are so deep. Yeah, the, the Clippers bench versus the Mavs bench is no contest. Right. And now moving on to the 3-6 matchup out in the West. The first game on at 1.30 tomorrow is Nuggets and Jazz. Uh, This one's starting with a huge piece of news coming out today that Mike Conley, point guard for the Jazz, has left the bubble for the birth of his son. Um, Landon, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a weird series. I mean, in normal circumstances, I would be really excited about this, but both teams are just kind of missing some key pieces. The Nuggets don't have Gary Harris and Will Barton, which are both key contributors to their team. The Jazz don't have Boyan Bogdanovich, which is a huge loss. He wasn't around in the bubble either. But during the regular season, he was their second leading scorer, averaging 20 points a game. Their offense just hasn't really looked great without him. And then now without Mike Conley, like just kind of a lot of guys missing in this matchup. Yeah, there are. And and the guys who are going to be playing, um, the best matchup that I'm looking forward to is the centers. Um, I don't, I can't think of a better big man matchup in the first round than this one. Mm-hmm. You've got Nikola Jokic for the Nuggets and the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert for the Jazz. That's going to be a fantastic matchup to see how those guys play. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the Nuggets are just a little bit too strong for the Jazz, especially playing without point guard Mike Conley. So I am taking the Nuggets in six. Yeah, I just don't think that the Jazz are going to have enough offensive firepower without those guys to keep up with the Nuggets. I love Michael Porter Jr., breakout star of the bubble. Hope to see more of Bull Bull. And then, you know, Jokic and Jamal Murray are good players. So I'm going with the Nuggets in six games. Okay, so we're on the same page in that one. Yep. Okay, now shifting over to the Eastern Conference, let's start with the one versus eight matchup that we had already mentioned, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the home team, Orlando Magic. Um, The Bucks, like I mentioned, in Vegas are minus 20,000. So just about everybody on earth, including the odds makers in Vegas, expect this to be an absolute blood bath landon what do you think is going to happen yeah the uh the magic are the first ever eight seed to have home court advantage over the one seed that's pretty that's pretty awesome there you go all right yeah this matchup was already pretty unfair i mean the bucks were the best team in the nba during the regular season record wise and the magic are making the playoffs at 33 and 40 which is not ideal and then on top of that the magic then lost their best chance at guarding Giannis when jonathan isaac went down with a torn acl and then another thing is that it's been well documented that the Bucks' one weakness is defending the three. They're just not a good three-point defensive team. And so the only way you can beat them is to bomb some threes. And the Magic are a terrible three-point shooting team. Bucks and four. Okay, you said Bucks and four. I'm actually going to go Bucks and three. <laughs> I understand. I fully understand that it's a seven-game series, but I think that the NBA is going to stop this before it gets to kind of an Apollo Creed versus yeah. Ivan Drago type okay. scenario and just put them out of their misery after three games, just send them home, say, we'll see you next year. The UFC style, the ref just comes in and waves it off before it's yeah. over. Okay. It's like, stop the madness. Please end this. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the Bucs, I mean, Giannis had expressed a little bit of frustration that the Bucs went three and five in their seeding games, have not been playing well, but honestly, they just came into the reseeding game 
games uh, with nothing to play for. They had mm-hmm. pretty much already wrapped up that one seed. Um, but I think it's time to flip the switch and they're going to sweep them. If there's one thing, one consolation prize that I'm kind of looking forward to is that I do want to see a little bit more of Markel Fultz. I mean, that guy kind of fell off. I mean, he really fell off after he was taken number one overall. Everyone kind of assumed he was just going to be a bust forever, but he's turned it on a little bit, and I'm looking forward to watching him play. Yeah, I'm with you there. He went from the number one overall pick to kind of this really strange, like, medical mystery, then to just a meme that everyone made fun of because he literally could not remember how to shoot a basketball, and now back to a formidable basketball player. So I'm happy for him. Um, He's not going to enjoy this playoff appearance, but hopefully there are more in his future. Agreed. Let's kick it on over to the 4-5 matchup in the East, which is who the Bucks will play whenever they destroy the Magic. And this is a series between the Heat and the Pacers. P, what you got in this series? This is another fun one, and I know the Heat are your guys. I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about them because I know you love your boy Duncan Robinson. Yes, I do. (laughs) I'm going to focus on the Pacers real quick. They had uh, TJ Warren, who was kind of in the running for uh, bubble MVP up there with Damian Lillard and Devin Booker playing incredibly well. Um, They got Victor Oladipo back from an ACL injury last year, uh, but they did lose DeMontis Sabonis to an injury earlier in the season. I think it was a foot injury he was dealing with. So that's going to hurt them, kind of dealing with some of the Heat's big guys, including Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo, who has come on really strong this year. Um, Kid out of Kentucky, I think he's in his second season in the running for Most Improved Player Award, so that's not going to help them, but uh, what do you think? I'm going to let you go with the Heat. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely going to take the Heat, but I mean, the Pacers are a good team. I'm excited to watch TJ Warren and Victor Oladipo. The DeMontis Sabonis injury just hurts too bad. He left earlier, he left kind of at the beginning of the bubble, I believe, with a foot injury, and they didn't actually say how long he was out for. They just said indefinitely. But the latest reports are that he's not even close to returning. He's not back in the bubble yet. So just going to assume that he's out for the series. And as an all-star, I mean, that's a huge loss. I love the Miami Heat. I'm just a huge fan of them. I mean, they've got you know two really good players in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who are just kind of like, like dogs like they just get after you they rebound they they go to the hole i mean just great players and then they surround those two guys with awesome three-point shooters they've got duncan robinson who i contend is the best catch and shoot three-point shooter in the nba right now like that guy just throws them up from deep he's he's so awesome tyler hero kendrick nunn that's a really good team so i'm gonna go with the heat in five games Okay, gotcha. I'm going with the Heat in six. I think the Heat definitely win this one, and I'm looking forward to the next round because this is the matchup where the winner is going to go on to play the Milwaukee Bucks. I think we had mentioned in a previous episode that the Bucks have by far the best paint defense in the NBA, so the way that you have to beat them is from the outside in, and so a team like the Miami Heat with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, like you mentioned, stroking it from three would be a really interesting matchup. Um, I would love to see that 1-4 between the Bucks and Heat. I just want to fast forward to that right now. That sounds like so much fun. I, I, I would love to see that matchup. All right. Well, before I geek out on that too much, let's kick it over to the uh, the two seven in the East, which is going to be the Raptors versus the Nets. What do you think about that one? So we've talked about it, but I'm starting to love this post Kawhi Raptors team. They're like the uh, Mighty Ducks without um, Adam Banks. <laughs> I <laughs> they, love they, that. They comparison. lose their their best player, but still playing well, flying high. Um, I expect them to come out hot. Uh, they're the defending champions. They finish with the best regular season win percentage in franchise history this year. Um, the Nets, their opponent, are really banged up so i don't expect this to be much of a series i've got raptors in five what do you think yeah it's very well documented how much we love the raptors so i don't feel like we need to say too much about this i mean i say it every time that 
just their their combination of players their roster is just beautifully constructed and they're playing really well they got crushed in one game in the bubble by the celtics but other than that they looked really good they have one of the best defenses in the nba and you know defense doesn't slump so i expect them to do really well i got them in five also yeah, the Raptors are just for a league that is so flashy and it's all about, you know, these guys are always out there showboating and I personally love it. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors are just the antithesis of that, I feel like. Um, they're just very under the radar. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Mark Gasol. I mean, you've never seen these guys show much emotion. They just go out and play basketball yep. and they do it well. Yep. OG Ananobi, Norman Powell. I just love that squad because like a casual basketball fan might not even know a lot of their guys, but they're so good. Nick Nurse for Coach of the Century. I love him. All right, let's move on to the 3-6 matchup. We've got Celtics versus 76ers. Landon, what do you think here? So I'm coming at this from two different angles. One, I already wrote off the Sixers once Ben Simmons went down for the year. He just provides too much in terms of playmaking and defense for them to really contend at all. But even aside from that, I am way up on the Celtics in the last you know week or so. I am kind of coming around to the fact that the Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics could all kind of come out of the East. Like those teams are all really good. I love Jason Tatum. I love Jalen Brown. I love Kemba Walker. Gordon Hayward hopefully is kind of getting back towards what he used to be. That's a really good team that's playing well right now. I just mentioned they crushed the Raptors in the game. Uh, I think it was like last week. Um, So I'm going to go definitely Celtics in this round. I'm going Celtics in five. But I think the Celtics also have a really good shot at at knocking out the Raptors in the second round. Interesting. And that will be a really good second round matchup if we get Celtics versus Raptors. But yeah, to, to start with Celtics Sixers, I mean, the 76ers have some intrigue. Um, we've mentioned that Brett Brown, their coach, has kind of underachieved these past few years. He's probably coaching for his job. They're playing without Ben Simmons. So we'll see um, how they do offensively and defensively without him. He's one of the best defensive point guards in the league. They're going to have to kind of run things through. Joel Embiid going to need some monster performances from him if they're really going to compete. But one interesting note that I want to make about this series is Kimba Walker. It's his ninth year in the league and he has played in 11 career playoff games. Wow. I mean, he just never played for good teams. He was stuck on the Hornets for most of his career until he just moved over to Boston. So for a guy that is as good as he is and has been in the league, you know, being an all-star for a decade, um, finally having a chance to maybe make a run with a better team, that'll be fun to watch. And he's got a hell of a running mate in Jason Tatum. So looking forward to see what they can do. Yeah, Kim is awesome. There was a lot of question about his health coming into the bubble, but he came back, his knee looked good. He was moving well. So excited to see him in the playoffs. You know, Cardiac Kemba, especially in college, like that's a clutch dude. And we haven't gotten to see him in clutch situations in the NBA. So that's going to be awesome. One thing to keep an eye on is you mentioned Joel Embiid. The the Celtics just don't really have anybody who's really well equipped to defend him. And without Ben Simmons, they're probably just going to be feeding Joel Embiid all game. I mean, that guy might put up like crazy numbers this series. Even if they lose, he still might put up some massive, massive stat lines. He should. I mean, he should be getting 25, 30 shots a game, I would think. Yeah, their only chance of competing in that series is just to feed him the whole time and let him go to work. All right, well, that's going to be it for our first round NBA preview. Let's switch over now to a little bit of Major League Baseball news. Aaron Judge is now joining John Carlos Stanton on the IL, and it looks like DJ LeMayhew is headed that way as well, and kind of a repeat of last year for the Yankees. What you got there? 
I think we had talked about on our Major League Baseball season preview that it was those two guys in addition to who else? Who was their third player? Um, that Miguel Andujar. Miguel Andujar. They only played like a third of the season together mm-hmm. last year, yeah. and it's it's just happening again. I mean, it took 20 games for both of the uh, outfield monsters to land on the IL for the Yankees. So um, it's going to be, it creates a little bit of intrigue for the playoffs. Uh, if those guys can't get back, I mean, maybe opens the door for the non-favorites in the American League, like the Oakland A's. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to get our Oakland. Oakland Mats versus makeshift Marlins World Series. Yeah, the makeshift Marlins are currently ahead of the Braves for the NL East. And uh, right now, the Oakland Mats are killing it in AOS. They've won, I don't know, like some crazy, like 10 of the last 11 or something like that. They're on fire. Daily bombs. Love it. Well, not much else to report on baseball, but moving over to the NFL real quick. Some feel-good news out of the NFL. Washington football team quarterback Alex Smith has been cleared for football activities. He suffered a horrific leg injury in November of 2018. Um, and in the days following, he got sepsis, a rare blood infection, which he nearly died from. Um, he was in the hospital for three months in a wheelchair, had 17 surgeries in nine months. Now he's back. He's ready to play football again. So great to hear that. Uh, good for Alex Smith and his family um and then in the college football front did you see that ohio state quarterback justin fields has started a petition for the big season or big 10 season to happen yeah i'm not i don't even know what that really means but (laughs) yes i did see it i mean i respect the fact that he wants to play and is willing to you know take these measures to try and make sure that it happens and i saw a report that it had fifteen thousand signatures by noon on sunday but like what does that mean yeah do petitions work? I don't know. I think I think the only reason they exist is because at some point in time they do actually work. But I don't think I can like name one that worked. Yeah, I guess the point is it just kind of raises awareness and makes people talk about things. I guess, but like everyone already knows they're not having a season, so I don't know. I don't know. Right, just one quarterback who's a college kid for a team. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not going to happen. But I want the Big Ten to play, so I hope this petition succeeds. But I'm I'm not thinking it's going to. No, it's just funny of all people that it's him. Like it's not the coaches or you know a, a program as a whole. It's just one quarterback from the league. What if he transferred back to Georgia? I, so I saw people, some people were joking about it and some people were actually talking about that as a legitimate possibility, which is hilarious. I mean, I think he's better off just sitting out the season and training for the draft, but for sure, either way. And that'll just about do it for today's episode. But um, I want to kind of end today with the way that we started. You ready for some surprise trivia? Another one? This is brutal. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've asked you a lot more than you've asked me, so we got to make up. But dang, man. All right, let's do it. I got to strike back. I'm sorry. I just like the idea at the beginning and the end. All right. Um, okay. So in honor of our board bet about someone hitting above uh, two thresholds, 370 and 400, who is the last player to hit 370 in a season? Uh, Todd Helton. So he did do it. It was in 2000, but there is one more recent. Mm, okay. One more recent than, than that? Okay. And so I, I had told you the first one, degree of difficulty, hard. Um, this one, I would say somewhere in between easy and medium. I mean, I think you're going to get it on your next guess, honestly, now that you kind of know the timeline. All right. I'm going to go with my boy Ichiro. Ichiro Suzuki. Bang. That's it. Yeah. So he came over from Japan, I think in 2001, and then his first season hit 350. uh, And then in 2004, he hit 372. Wow. Yeah. He won rookie of the year and MVP his first year, which is insane. Yep. He could hit the baseball. And then there's actually another one that was uh, a little bit more recent than Todd Helton. In 2002, Barry Bonds hit 370. That's insane. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like going back, Barry Bonds stats are 
They're a joke. He would have like one year he had over a 600 on base percentage. Yeah. That insane. is wild. And then I think he had an OPS like 1500 or something crazy like that. Yeah. Bonds put up some absolute movie numbers, but yeah, um, there are some guys who came really close. Uh, Barry Bonds again in 2004 hit 362. Um, some names on this list are hilarious. 2007 Maglio Ordonez. Remember that guy? He was pretty good actually. He was hit a good 363. Player. I mean, there are a ton. Um, 2000 Nomar Garcia Parra hit 372. Also a good player back when the uh, AL was loaded with shortstops. Yep, and the year before he hit 357. Yeah, apparently he was pretty good. Yeah, didn't realize he was that great. There we go. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for our episode today. Don't forget if you enjoy our podcast to either go on Apple or Spotify and either follow or subscribe our podcast. Also, if you want your questions answered in the Monday mailbag, you can email them to sysmailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Hope you have a good day. See you soon.